0: with you. If you want to turn with me, we're in the book of Colossians again in our latest sermon series. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 and we're going to begin at verse 4 uh, 24 together today. And this is what it says. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body which is the church. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for those that are at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom, all hidden, uh, in whom <clears throat> are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that, it, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So we're in week two of our latest sermon series looking at this amazing book of Colossians. In many respects, this book has been written to help readers see that this Christ that we're talking about is supreme and sufficient for all of our needs and over all things. That this Jesus that we're singing about today is truly all that we need. He is the one who can meet our deepest longings, our deepest desires and satisfy every need that we have because as we read last week, he is the image of the invisible God, the very one in whom the reason that we exist and the reason that we are on earth is fulfilled. In our passage today, we see this profound revelation that I believe that when we understand it and when we grasp it, when we begin to see what God is saying to us through it, can really change and transform our lives because we begin to understand the plans that God has for each and every one of us. What we see in our passage today is that Paul starts off by revealing to his readers the very purpose for his ministry that he has been made a minister by God's grace and he has been entrusted with the task of spreading the word of God. But what I want us to see from our passage together today is that the plans and the purposes of God for each and every one of us individually and collectively as his church does not necessarily mean that the road that we're called to walk is going to be an easy road. But this Jesus who we're talking about, that we're singing about, who we're praying to today, he is sufficient for each and every one of us, even in our sufferings, and he provides us with a way to bear with whatever the world might throw at us. And not only that, he'll use our sufferings, he'll use our circumstances, he'll use our situations to show a dying and a hurting world that there is hope for them too. You see, when Paul wrote this book of Colossians, he was in prison, found up in chains, and for many, his situation and his circumstances would have looked incredibly bleak. It would have looked like they had no hope whatsoever. And yet, he kicks off the passage that we're looking at together today by saying this, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. You see, the fact that Jesus is the image of, of the invisible gods. The fact that he is the firstborn over all creation, the fact that he is the one who holds all things together, as we read last week, doesn't change the fact that now, in this moment, as Paul is writing this letter, he is suffering. Life in the natural for Paul is difficult. It perhaps hasn't worked out as he thought it would or as he would have liked it to. He is suffering. Often, whether we would articulate this or not, we have this kind of notion and this thought at times that following Christ means that life is going to be easy all of the time and there's not going to be suffering. Maybe you've heard a message that goes along the lines of God has great plans for your life and you thought to yourself, great, that means that everything is going to be all right, that God's going to sort out my mess in my life, and actually I'm going to have it relatively easy, and people are going to look at my life and say, wow, how is your life so all together? How are you living in the way that you are? And I'm going to say, well, it's because of Jesus. But what we see in scripture is it doesn't really work out like that. Because when we look at the life of Paul, we see a man who suffers for Jesus. And as we see this man who suffers for Jesus, we begin to realize that often following God and suffering goes hand in hand. In fact, if we were to take it right back to Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, we'd see it right from the very beginning because we read these words. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is the man I have chosen to be my instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. The reality is, probably one question that we have all contended with, and we've wrestled with at times, is if God is a good God, why does he allow suffering in this world? And to some extent, we are never truly going to be able to answer that question this side of eternity, sometimes I have faced suffering in my life that appears to have no logical reason to it and I can't understand why God has allowed me to go through it but I do believe that nothing is wasted and even when I don't see it even when I don't understand it even when I don't fully comprehend what God is doing in the midst of it, I do believe that God uses my suffering and God uses my hardship and God uses it to bring about his purposes in my life and in the world, even in my darkest moments. If the church Is the body of the crucified Messiah the one who suffered the cruelest of fates, the one who was beaten and mocked and ridiculed and forced to carry his own cross to his execution and then nailed to that cross and hung up on our behalf? If we are his body, we are still in the business of suffering because reconciliation is a costly business. You see, Jesus doesn't promise us immunity from affliction, but he does promise to be with us in the midst of it. I know that has been true for me, that when I've been in my darkest moments and my hardest moments in life, when it feels like I've been at my lowest and the world is caving in on itself, I have known Jesus to be next to me closer than he ever has before. And the reason That Paul is able to not only stand in the midst of suffering but to rejoice in his sufferings is because he knew the one that he was suffering for. And as a result, he knew that his sufferings were pointing people to a God who could meet their deepest needs. You know, we live best when we put the purposes of God and the needs of others before our own, even when it brings danger and distress to our own lives. And you know what? We handle suffering best in our own lives when we reach out to others instead of simply focusing on our own private, personal pain and anguish. That's why Jesus, when he was suffering, the night before he went to the cross, what did he do? He got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. He served because it's in reaching out to others that we can deal with our own suffering. And how does Paul in our passage today push through his own sufferings? By realizing that in the midst of the sufferings that he is facing, he is making known the mystery which has been kept secret for ages and generations but has now been revealed. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that mystery actually mean? It's the mystery that God intended to give opportunity for all people to come to know him as their Lord and Savior right from the very beginning. That was his plan A, that you and I could have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. So Paul rejoices that even though life is tough right now for him, even though for many people his situation appears to be hopeless, he knows that he's part of God's plan and that nothing is wasted and the reality is the church is to fulfill the same task in the midst of our sufferings and in the midst of our hardships at times that paul saw here in his time and that he was seeking to fulfill Our task is not simply to spread the church's institutional umbrella. We're not simply called to get bums on seats on a Sunday morning, but we as the church are called to invite people into a life of faith. And in the midst of Paul's sufferings, he rejoices. And what happens as a result of his rejoicing is there are a number of ways that it comes out and a number of ways that he begins to push through those sufferings. And I believe that the way Paul went about it Is the way that we're called to go about it too. So, the first thing this morning that I believe we see that Paul teaches us about dealing with our sufferings, pushing through, and being a light for Christ in the midst of whatever comes is this that Paul made a mission, his mission, to present the fullness of the Word of God. Verse 25 says this I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present. The Word of God in its fullness. For Paul, what he's talking about here is the Word of God being the good news of God's promises being fulfilled in Jesus. For us, when we think about the Word of God, we're talking about the complete canon of Scripture, the whole Bible. And you know, when it comes to the Bible, too often we just focus on selected parts of the Word of God. Or what we do with the Word of God is we begin to try to reshape it in order to fit our preconceived ideas rather than allowing the Word of God to judge us and to challenge us in our daily walk with Him. You see, the problem is when it comes to us facing hardships in our life or suffering or whatever it might be that you're facing in your life, it's easy to look at our situations at times and think to ourselves, well, God is not really bothered or God doesn't really care about me or God's not really interested in my situation because if he was, I wouldn't be going through this at the moment. All of that is lies. But to expose a lie, we need to be aware of the truth. So therefore, It does become a real issue when Christians are underexposed to the Word of God. And you know, throughout history, people have attested to the way that the Bible has helped them through times of trouble. It's the Bible where God addresses our hopelessness, He addresses our fears, He addresses our worries and our needs. And you know, I can testify to that too. I remember when Gemma was pregnant with our first child, Joshua, We were so excited that Joshua was uh, on his way and we went for the first scan uh, on one particular morning and we went and we saw the midwife and she's doing the business with her machine and she's looking, but she's quiet as she's looking at this particular machine. Now, I don't know much about these things, but her body language suggested to me that as she was looking uh, at Joshua in, in his mother's womb, that there was something not quite right. And the midwife turns to us and she says, I think your baby has got clubfoot. And I said, well, what's Clubfoot? And she said something which still distresses me to this day. She said, go home and Google it. Let me tell you something, never go home and Google a medical condition that you know nothing about. Because what happens when you Google a medical condition that you know nothing about is you get the worst possible outcome and the worst possible things which come up on your screen. So I was reading about how Clubfoot was linked to neurological disorders and all this sort of thing. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what are we going to be facing? This is supposed to be a happy time. And I remember going to church the following week and the person who was preaching at church that week spoke on the text where Jesus heals a boy with a mute spirit the father comes up to Jesus and he says look if you can do anything about this situation please can you heal my son and Jesus said if anything is possible for him who believes and the man's response to Jesus was simply this Lord I believe help my unbelief and in that moment that became my prayer Lord I believe help my unbelief We were sent to a consultant to see what was going on and what the problems were. We went to see a consultant, and the consultant said, well, I think there is something wrong with with his feet, but it's probably not necessarily as bad as you first feared. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Joshua was born a few months later, there was nothing wrong with his feet. He's got perfect feet. He trips over them all the time now. They're massive, but there was nothing wrong with his feet in that moment when he was born. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So we have a challenge. If we're going to present a true hope to the world, If we're going to be people who push past our own sufferings and we stand firm when these things come along, we have to prioritize the Word of God in our life. When tough times come, we may be tempted to look for other places of comfort in our life, but we already have the comfort that God provides in the Word of God. A casual neglect of His Word makes it seem unessential for our lives. But when we prioritize it, when we allow it to penetrate the deepest parts of our soul, We stand firm in our sufferings and we present to a world that is in such desperate need that there is a better way to live and they can stand too. Let me ask you today, church, do you prioritize the word of God in your life? Because it's vital for standing firm in our sufferings and reaching out to others. The second thing that we see Paul do as an act of rejoicing and as an act of being a minister to that mystery is that in the midst of his sufferings, he proclaims Christ. Is my mic all right? Do I need to change mic? I'm hearing a little bit of crackle on it. But in the midst of that suffering, he proclaims Christ. Verse 28, we read these words. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. What Paul does is he places a real twofold emphasis in our passage today on proclaiming Christ. And he says that we're called to both admonish people and to teach people about Christ. What does it mean to admonish? Well, it has this feel of an appeal of a messenger. It's pleading with the recipient to hear that message, exhorting them not to turn away to false teaching, showing the error of their ways. You know, the temptation is to be seduced by a false teaching at times that tells us we don't need God, that the word of God is wrong and that there is a more comfortable way. And the way that Paul tackles that kind of falsity is to teach the truth. The aim of Paul's teaching is that every man, woman and child that hears it finds their completion in Christ. Do you see the pattern which is beginning to emerge from our passage today? Paul is suffering, but he can rejoice because he knows the one that he suffers for and he overcomes suffering by looking to others, presenting the word of God and proclaiming the truth of Christ, exhorting those around him not to turn away, but to press on, to press in, to look to Jesus who is supreme, over all, let me ask you, Church: Who have you told the truth to recently? Who have you proclaimed Christ to recently? Who have you told about the hope which you have recently? Because the Bible says we should always be ready to give a defence and to proclaim that hope which we have. It's the way that Paul deals with suffering. He doesn't look at his situation but he looks to others realising that they need to know the truth of Jesus. He has the truth and he needs to share it with them. The third thing that we see Paul's sufferings do and they compel him and propel him to do for those around him is that he wanted to create believers encouraged in heart, united in love and full of understanding. 2 verse 2 says this, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Notice how Paul encourages the church in this letter. Right from the beginning, as we saw last week, he kicked off by telling them that he thanked God for them and he was praying for them. You know, most people respond better to encouragement rather than reproach and Paul I believe provides a model for us here in this letter because what he does is he publicly affirms the strengths of the church in Colossae and he praises them for it he's like that football coach on the side of the pitch who is cheering his players on encouraging his team wanting them to do better He's like the dad who picks up their child and places him against the wall and walks away and says, come on, walk to me, walk to me. And the child takes a few steps and then he falters and he falls. The dad goes over to that child and what does he do? He doesn't chastise him and tell him off for fall and he picks him up and he puts him back on the wall and he says, let's go again. Come on, you can do this. That's the the model really which Paul teaches us here. You see, he wants their faith to blossom and rather than chastise them for the error of their ways... He sets forth clearly the truth which they should follow and which they should give their lives to. The church should be a place of hope, a place of encouragement, a place where we affirm the growth in one another, a place where we help one another to spiritual maturity. The body of Christ is called to rejoice with one another when it's time for rejoicing, to weep with one another when we need to weep, and to strengthen one another when we need strengthening. We, have a part to play in alleviating the suffering of others and pointing them to the hope in Jesus. Because that's exactly what it does. Suffering is a part of life. Whether you're a Christian or not, one thing that you can guarantee in your life is that you will suffer. But suffering as a Christian, when you are rooted and grounded in the truth, and you have a body of believers around you to hold you up, says to a dying and a hurting world that there is a better way to live than you have experienced up until this point. That the mystery which has been kept secret for ages and generations has now been revealed to the saints, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that not only makes an eternal difference, but it makes a difference now. Not by eradicating the suffering, but by helping us stand firm. And you know, when we learn to rejoice in our sufferings by pushing through with one another, proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming Christ and encouraging one another, that speaks louder as a gospel proclamation than any sermon that can be preached from the pulpit. How did Paul rejoice in his sufferings? By being rooted in the truth, by exhorting others to follow Christ And doing so, creating believers who were encouraged at heart, united in love, and full of understanding. Are you suffering right now? Don't pretend it's not there. Don't brush it under the carpet. But today, recognize the way of Christ, who has walked the path that you walk. Who has been there before, and who is with you right now. Look to the example of the Apostle Paul, who knew what it meant to suffer, who in his walk was shipwrecked, beaten, abandoned, left for dead and in prison, who suffered by making the mystery of Christ known to all. And you know the most painful thing for Paul would have been that actually the most opposition that he faced come loudest from those who should have loved him the most, his fellow Jews. But he recognised that his calling was bigger than his comfort. That God never intended the church to be some sort of holy ghetto where only a certain type of people gathered. But who made his purposes to the church crystal clear. That the church was a place for all. Drawing in people from every walk of life, even those who we have nothing in common with. And despite his suffering, Paul did this By proclaiming the word of God, the whole of it, not just parts of it that we're comfortable with, proclaiming Christ and building one another up and encouraging one another. Paul would eventually know the ultimate human suffering this side of eternity. He would die a martyr for the cause that was so dear to him. But ultimately, he made the mystery which was kept secret known throughout the globe. And as a church we're called to embody the same mentality. If this God that we worship is truly worthy of all, if Jesus really has paved the way for us to have a relationship with God, what else can we do but give our lives to him, no matter what the cost? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And you know, this morning, church, I believe that there are some people in this room who probably know what pain is right now, who are suffering personally, in life in general, and who need a touch from God. I'm going to ask our prayer team, if you're able to go to the back of the room, because we're going to worship God together this morning. And we're not going to brush pain and suffering under the carpet today. If you this morning are suffering, if there is pain in your life, We have a prayer team who are willing to pray for you this morning and to just put an arm on your shoulder and lift you up to encourage you in the midst of whatever you're going through. You don't have to tell them. They'll just pray for you and pray God's blessing on your life. But what I want us all to hear today is that nothing is wasted. The pain you have faced, God wants to use to bring hope to others. Why don't we stand? And we're going to sing a new song together now. You, you may not know it. You'll know some of the words because we sung an old hymn with these words in last week. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know it, feel free for the first time that it's being sung just to let the words wash over you. But when and how you feel you can take part, I want to encourage you to lift up your voice and make these words your prayer today. And if you need prayer, our prayer team are willing and ready at the back to meet with you. Father God, we want to thank you that you are a God who is not distant, who knows what suffering is all about. Lord, you know the pain and the anguish that maybe many are going through in this room today. You know the place that people find themselves at. But I pray that today and this morning will be a day of hope. That though suffering might be taking place, that there is rejoicing here today. And Lord, I pray that you will just show us and encourage us today that nothing is wasted. Meet people where they're at. In Jesus' name, amen.